In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Queen of heaven, rejoice, Alleluia. For he whom you did merit to bear, Alleluia, is risen as he said, Alleluia. Pray for us to God, Alleluia. Rejoice and be glad, O Virgin Mary, Alleluia. For the Lord is truly risen, Alleluia. In this episode of the Memento Traditionis podcast, I will be covering the topic of mental prayer. Now, if you haven't listened to my episode on an overview of prayer, I suggest you go back and listen to that first, since that will provide you the proper background for this episode. So, as we know, there are two main types of prayer, vocal prayer and mental prayer. And in this episode, we'll be looking at mental prayer. I'm going to read here an excerpt from the Catechism Explained by Reverend Francis Brago. It's titled Meditation, but it relates to mental prayer. Meditation consists in dwelling upon the truths of religion in order to awaken within our minds good resolutions. Costly spices give out their aroma most freely when they are bruised in a mortar. So the truths of religion have most influence upon the soul that ponders on them. One who meditates upon holy things is like a man striking fire with flint and steel. He strikes the stony heart with the keen edge of the understanding until sparks fly out, that is, good resolutions are elicited from the will. Meditation is only difficult until the Holy Spirit makes his gracious action felt. Like a vessel that must be propelled by toilsome rowing until a favorable wind springs up and inflates her sails, then the oar is no longer needed, for she runs swiftly before the breeze. So in meditation the powers of the mind must be exercised laboriously until the Holy Spirit breathes upon the soul, guiding it and elevating it. If we strive to elicit a succession of beautiful thoughts and elaborate meanings, this is not prayer, but study. When once we have struck fire, let us toil no more, but forthwith kindle the torch. Meditation is a most excellent method of prayer, but it must not be pursued to the exclusion of vocal prayer. By mental prayer, we imitate on earth the occupation of the angels who constantly contemplate the face of God and meditate on his perfections. The saints have bequeathed to us many books of meditations. If we read these attentively, it is equivalent to prayer. Mental prayer must alternate with vocal prayer. These two methods of prayer are the two feet that carry us forward on the way to heaven. Meditation is a necessary preliminary to prayer. Without it, prayer will be imperfect. The needful devotion will be lacking. By means of meditation, we obtain actual graces and advance rapidly on the paths of perfection. We obtain many actual graces in meditation, for as we receive light and warmth when we stand by a fire, so by meditation upon the truths of religion, the mind is enlightened to see the worthlessness of earthly things, the end of man, the rigor of the divine judgments, and the heart is inflamed with the love of justice. It is a furnace wherein the fire of divine charity is kindled, a door whereby divine grace enters into the heart of man. A soul that practices meditation is like a cultivated field which produces abundant fruit, a well-watered garden in which flowers bloom luxuriantly. He who neglects to ponder upon the truths of religion knows nothing of their force. His spiritual sight is dimmed. He is engrossed with the things of earth. With desolation is all the land made desolate, because there is none that considereth in his heart. Jeremiah 12.11 The subjects chosen for meditation ought to be those which have most power to attract and influence us, 
and to these we should frequently recur. Thus bees alight upon the flowers which contain the sweet juice whence they make their honey. Meditation is a means of attaining perfection. St. Ambrose says daily meditation is the antidote for tepidity. It was the foundation of the conversion of St. Ignatius and other saints. St. Teresa declares that mental prayer and mortal sin are incompatible. They exclude one another. One or the other must of necessity be given up. So as we can see here, mental prayer is very important. Let me read to you some quotes from some saints that will impress upon you the importance of mental prayer. St. Teresa of Avila says, He who neglects mental prayer needs not a devil to carry him to hell, but he brings himself there with his own hands. St. John of the Cross says, Without the aid of mental prayer, the soul cannot triumph over the forces of the demon. St. Alphonsus Liguori says, It is morally impossible for him who neglects meditation to live without sin. He also says, Let us remember the devil labors hard to disturb us at the time of recollection in order to make us abandon it. Let him then who omits mental prayer on account of distractions be persuaded that he gives delight to the devil. St. Alphonsus also says, All souls in hell are there because they did not pray. All the saints sanctified themselves by prayer. As we know from the Baltimore Catechism, the meaning of our life is to know God, to love Him, and to serve Him in this life and to be happy with Him in the next. And we cannot serve Him if we do not love Him, and we cannot love Him if we do not know Him. St. Alphonsus says, The principal means of acquiring an ardent love of Christ are mental prayer, communion, mortification, and retirement. So we can see here that mental prayer is extremely important. St. Alphonsus also says, Whoever prays is certainly saved. He who does not is certainly damned. All the blessed have been saved by prayer. All the damned have been lost through not praying. If they had prayed, they would not have been lost. And this is and will be their greatest torment in hell, to think how easily they might have been saved just by asking God for his grace. But that now is too late. Their time of prayer is gone. So we see that prayer, and in particular, as we've seen in several of these quotes, mental prayer is extremely important. In fact, it is indispensable. We cannot be saved without it. So what exactly is mental prayer? St. Teresa of Avila defines it as this. Mental prayer, in my opinion, is nothing else than an intimate sharing between friends. It means taking time frequently to be alone with him who we know loves us. The important thing is not to think much, but to love much, and so do that which best stirs you to love. Love is not great delight, but desire to please God in everything. So let's unpack this a little bit. Mental prayer is an intimate sharing between friends. It means taking time frequently to be alone with God because we know that he loves us. She says the important thing is to not think much, but to love much. And again, loving is not so much the feeling of delight that you receive, but the desire to please God so we know that we love God because we desire to please him. That is how we know that we love him much, not because we feel good about it. 
And again, the important thing is not to think much, but to love much. That means that mental prayer, the focus of it is not to spend a lot of time thinking through something. But the entire focus is on loving God. And as we saw, that's not on having good feelings, but that's on having a desire to please God in everything. That is the focus of mental prayer. We find things to meditate on in as much as they lead us to love God more, to desire to please him in everything. It isn't a type of studying where we're learning different facts, although that may be part of it, but those the learning is leading us to love. And once we have learned and found something to latch on to, love, to love God more, we leave that behind and focus on loving God rather than continuing and study and dropping this desire to love and please God, which is the focus of the prayer. So let's take a look at one method of making mental prayer. And that is a popular one known as Lectio Divina, or Divine Reading. Now this is one method of mental prayer, and this method of doing it can be applied to many different situations. And I think the principles we're going to go over here will apply to not just reading, but also just any type of mental prayer as well. So generally with Lectio Divina, you'll pick a portion of scripture to read, perhaps a chapter or just the reading for the day, maybe the gospel of the day would be a good one to choose. Or in other cases, you might select a spiritual book, perhaps a classic uh, spiritual work or a book of meditations that are well regarded. For example, I like to use the book Divine Intimacy um, in addition to scripture. So for Lectio Divina, there's four parts and these parts tend to go in order, although you can alternate back and forth between them. So the first part is Lectio, which means to read. And so you'll read the portion of scripture or the portion of the work that you're reading. And you might note specific verses or phrases or themes that are stand out to you when you read that. So generally, you'd read through it one time and then maybe read through it a second time, uh, being attentive to something that sticks out to you. It could just be a word. It could be a phrase or a few words. But whatever it is, you identify something that sticks out to you. And at this point, um, what, how exactly does something stick out? It might be something that draws your attention something that inspires you to love God more, something that you're curious about, uh, whatever it is, it will be obvious that it's standing out to you. And if it doesn't, if nothing stands out to you, maybe you need to read it again and consider, you know, what what do I have questions about? What um, inspires me? Basically asking God, what, uh, what are you trying to call to my mind here as I read through this? After you've identified that, you would go move on to the next portion, which is meditatio, which is to meditate. And you think about the reading. You think about how it connects to your life. Uh, maybe you can imagine being present to in that passage. For example, if it's from the gospel and Jesus is doing some miracle, maybe you imagine yourself 
either being the recipient of that miracle or being a witness to that miracle, and how does that uh, affect you? So there's many different ways of meditating. Those are just some examples. Uh, typically, I will just think about what it means, what the what the uh, reading means, and specifically this particular passage or verse or theme that is sticking out to you that you're being inspired to consider. Okay, so first is Lectio to read. Next is Meditatio to meditate, to consider. The fourth is Oratio, which is to pray. So at this point, you might, you're going to have a conversation with God. You might thank him for this inspiration that you've had. You might ask him what, why he's brought it to your mind, uh, what he wants to show you, and that whatever comes to your mind that you want to pray about in relation to this reading and meditation, that's what you would spend this time doing. And then finally, there's contemplatio, which is to contemplate. And a lot of times this gets conflated and confused with meditation. Meditation tends to be something that is more methodical. You know, you're thinking something through, you're looking at it. It's kind of experimental. You're, you're, and maybe that's not the same for everyone, but this is typically how I tend to approach it. I'm looking at things from different angles. I'm considering it. I'm thinking about it. Whereas contemplation uh, is just a quiet expression of love between you and God. You know, you've read it, you've meditated on it, you've prayed, you've just discussed it with God, and now you're kind of listening to God and considering and and letting it really sink in to your heart. Um, Letting, you know, what you've received in this prayer really sink in and help you to just rest in that, uh, if you will. Now, this is a very methodical way of doing it, and when you first start doing Lectio Divina, this is might be a way you'll follow. Um, typically, what happens, though, is that this tends to be a process where you might jump back and forth between the two. So, for example, it's always, even before reading, it's good to pray. So, obviously, you're going to be praying, recollecting yourself, bringing yourself into God's presence, and you know, asking him to inspire you as you go through the reading. Then when you do the reading, you might spend some time meditating on it. You might pray about it. And maybe some sort of distraction comes up, and then you have to go back and read it again. Okay, what, what was I thinking about? What was I meditating about? Let me read that again and consider, um, you know, how God's inspiring me. And, okay, then I'll go back to pray about it again. And then maybe after I've prayed about it a little bit, I'll contemplate it. And then maybe some distraction will come up, or maybe, you know, I've squeezed all the juice out of that little nugget, and I need to go on to something else. You know, if I've set aside 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour to do this type of mental prayer, um, you might spend the whole time thinking about just a few words, or you might go through a few words or a verse, and then after you spent maybe five, ten minutes or however long, you might go back, okay, I've I've squeezed all the juice out of it. I don't know that's the best way I can think to describe it. And now we need to move on to something else. Now, typically, if you are continuing to be inspired by something, you don't want to move on. You just keep going. Stay with that. You know, This is one of the challenges that a lot of people have with mental prayer. Don't feel like you need to get through the reading 
or whatever it is you're meditating on, you know, stick with it as long as it inspires you to just stick with that one little piece. Maybe it's just one word or a few words or just one verse. And if you keep coming back to that and if you keep are inspired on that and you have much to pray about it, then just stick with that. Don't feel like you have to finish the chapter or whatever it is that you've set out to achieve because as we as one of the quotes mentioned earlier, uh, I think it was St. Teresa of Avila, she says that it's not so much thinking as it's loving. And so our goal is not to learn a bunch of things. Our goal is to pray. And if we are finding much fruit and much to focus on in our prayer, then we shouldn't run away from that and try to find something else. If God is inspiring us to pray and meditate on a certain thing, then we should stay with that as long as we can, or at least as long as we've set aside to pray and uh, do mental prayer. So then the question might be might come up, well, how often should I set aside? Typically, I think most people say that an hour is a good amount, at least an hour a day. Now, when you first start, that might be difficult to do. Um, but I would say at least start with 15 minutes and work your way up to an hour. Um, if you can do more than 15 minutes, start with 30 minutes. Whatever it takes to work your way up to an hour. Then uh, maybe at some point you work your way up to two hours. You know, maybe an hour in the morning, an hour before bed. Now, obviously, much more than that, and you're probably looking at having a, a contemplative vocation, perhaps. Um, but that's certainly a good goal to have, I think, is at least an hour a day um, or, you know, work your way up to an hour a day. And obviously, once you've had the practice and have gotten into the habit of mental prayer and are able to do this, you might find yourself throughout the day entering into mental prayer you know, for five minutes, a couple minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is. Because I, I think that's ultimately the goal is to set aside time to do this an hour a day or whatever it is. And then after that, once you have gotten into this habit, you'll find yourself wanting to do this more throughout the day, at least when you have you know, little moments here and there to spend time to contemplate and to you know, converse with God. So now let me read a few excerpts from the Book of Meditation's Divine Intimacy to kind of wrap up our topic here on mental prayer. The simplest way of conversing with God is certainly vocal prayer, properly made. But as the soul progresses in the spiritual life, it is natural for it to feel the need of a more interior prayer, of one that is more intimate, and so it spontaneously turns toward mental prayer. Now, everyone who tries to build a habit or maintain a habit of mental prayer will often encounter distractions. And this is what he has to say in Divine Intimacy. Those who are in this condition are easily tempted to give up mental prayer, which has become so painful that they find it almost impossible. A saint, that is St. Teresa of Avila, has an entirely different opinion and insists that even these can apply themselves to mental prayer with profit although they ought to do it in a somewhat special way. This way consists in helping themselves by reading a book, which, she says, will be a great help to recollection and is practically indispensable. Let them read, therefore, even if only a little, but let them read. This does not mean that we are to spend the time allotted to mental prayer and continual reading. Rather, we should use some devout book in which we can find 
from time to time a good thought which serves to recollect us in God, to put us in contact with him. St. Therese of the Child Jesus, who suffered habitually from aridity, often used this method. In my helplessness, she said, the Holy Scriptures and the imitation are of the greatest assistance. It is from the Gospels, however, that I derive most help in the time of prayer. I find in their pages all that my poor soul needs, and I am always discovering their new lights and hidden mysterious meanings. St. Teresa of Jesus, or St. Teresa of Evola, who, before she was raised to the highest states of contemplation, had long known aridity and the torment of importunate thoughts during prayer, confesses, I passed more than 14 years unable to meditate except with the help of a book. With this help, I was able to collect my wandering thoughts, and the book acted like a bait to my soul. Often I only needed to open the book. Sometimes I read a little, at other times much, according to the favor which the Lord showed me. So don't feel as though you need to meditate only on what comes to your mind. In fact, St. Teresa of Avila used a book for 14 years to inspire her meditation. And personally, this is what I have found most fruitful. I'm no master of prayer, but I often use a book. And whenever I find my mind wandering, I go back to the previous sentence that I had read or whatever it was that inspired me and read it over again and then return to my prayer and meditation. Coming back to divine intimacy, St. John of the Cross gives us the distinctive note of this method of mental prayer. He says, The end of meditation and mental consideration of divine things is to obtain some knowledge and love of God. We see at once that the emphasis is not placed on the work of the intellect, nor on the speculative knowledge of God and of the truths of faith. Rather, it rests on loving knowledge, which, of course, has its support in thought, but thought that is affectionate, permeated with love, and that surges from a loving heart. When we love a person, we come to know him intuitively, and thus better and more easily than those who might study him more minutely, but without love. And this comes back to uh, St. Teresa of Avila's quote, that mental prayer consists in not in thinking much, but in loving much. So a lot of people are in the habit of doing Bible studies, which is great. You should study the Bible. But I would say even more so, you should pray with the Bible in Lectio Divina. If you're just reading the Bible to learn things, that is certainly good and can inspire your meditation and mental prayer. And I, I think we should read the Bible to learn things However, we should also set aside time, uh, I would even say equal or even more time than you spend in reading the Bible, to enter into mental prayer. Or perhaps even just be in the habit of when you're studying the Bible, just be ready to stop and to pray rather than continuing on. But especially when we're praying in mental prayer, we shouldn't be focusing on, okay, I need to read the whole chapter today or I need to read three chapters or whatever it is. Or I need to finish the whole reading of the gospel that was in the Mass today. No, you don't need to do that. It, it might be good to do that and maybe even read through it once. But as soon as you have determined, okay, now is the time to spend mental prayer, forget about finishing it. Only finish it if you need to in order to inspire your mental prayer. But as soon as you get to a point 
where you feel like God wants you to think about that and pray and ask him about that or whatever it is that God has inspired to you do with that portion, stop there and, and stick with that as long as necessary, as long as you are inspired to do so and come back to it again and again until you have worked through and you know, kind of squeezed all the juice out of it, if you will. Coming back to divine intimacy. If in meditation we should not give first place to thought, neither should we go to the opposite extreme and neglect the necessary effort and application. We should apply the following method. Even before reading the point of the meditation, we should take great care to put ourselves in the presence of God, seeking by all means of an energetic act of the will to put aside all alien thoughts in preoccupation and haste. Mental prayer is an intimate conversation with God, but it is clear that we cannot treat intimately with Him if He is far from our minds and hearts. It is true that God is always present to us, but it is we who are not always present to Him. Therefore, we must establish contact with our Lord and place ourselves near Him by a conscious realization of His presence. Each one of us can do this by, in the way which seems most suitable, either by considering the Most Holy Trinity dwelling in our heart, or by drawing near to Jesus present in the tabernacle, or perhaps by picturing to ourselves interiorly some episode of the life or the passion of our Savior. Thus, in the presence of God and beneath His gaze, we read the point of the meditation tranquilly and reflect upon it calmly and gently, not as if reasoning with ourselves, but rather as if speaking to God in whose presence we are. The more the soul becomes accustomed to this way of reflecting, that is, treating and developing the subject of our meditation with God, the more quickly will this method attain its end, which is to enable the soul to converse with the Lord, to speak affectionately with Him, as a son speaks with its father, as a friend with a friend. Throughout the time of prayer, application and effort are certainly needed, but these must be directed more to the sustaining of the soul in loving contact with God than to its preoccupation with abstract, narrow reasoning. The thoughts drawn from the meditation, and we may refer to the text whenever we feel the need of doing so, will serve to nourish this contact and to give the soul a subject for conversing with God. The work of the intellect must not make us forget that the essence of prayer consists in an intimate communing with God in which an interchange of love, not reasoning, predominates. Teach me, O Lord, how to meditate. Teach me to pray, for I can do neither the one nor the other as I should, and you alone can teach me. Give me ears to hear you in the reading and in the meditation. Give me a tongue to speak with you in prayer. Inspire me with your divine spirit so that he may enable me to know the subject on which I should reflect, what I should say and ask, and how I should ask in order to obtain it. Let the Holy Spirit teach me to groan in your presence, or rather, may he himself form in me those holy groanings which you always hear and never reject. Inspire me, O Lord, with a great love for your divine truths and doctrines, so that when I read of them, I shall understand and relish them. Open my mind and my heart. Make me faithfully believe what you teach and practice what you command. O eternal God, you are eternal and infinite goodness. No one can understand you or know you wholly except insofar as you give him the grace to do so. And you give as much of this knowledge as we prepare our souls to receive. O sweet love, all my life I have never loved you, but my soul always longs for you, and the more it possesses you, so much the more it seeks you, 
The more it desires you, so much the more it finds you and relishes you, O sovereign, eternal fire, abyss of charity. St. Catherine of Siena. In nomine Patris, Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Amen.